Money Show. Small business. So what are the big five numbers, the most important five numbers in your business? I wonder. Pablo Fatidis with that in just a moment. The Small Business Focus brought to you by Productivity South Africa, providing solutions for businesses in distress. Um, I, I love the fact that we can simplify this thing down to five big numbers, Pablo, but this is called business unit economics, which is, sounds much fancier uh, and much harder to comprehend. So give us the layman's perspective, if you would. You know, Bruce, every business really has between, let's say, three to six numbers that are so useful for you to understand as a business owner. Generally, they're about five. And unit economics is a way of looking at your business. It's a way, it's a way of selecting those vital, vital numbers that in a flash can help you make good decisions, can help you say yay or nay to an opportunity can help you evaluate whether you should buy a new product range or not, whether you should buy the stock, whether you should buy the machine before you get fleeced. It also helps you remove the story away from your business because all of us who run our own businesses, Bruce, we believe in what we do. We believe in our products. We believe in people. We believe in a better world. If you didn't, you would never be an entrepreneur because granted, most of us do it out of necessity, but we do it with a view to try and make an improvement in the world around us and hopefully create a business through that. And it gets very, very cloudy and very, very unwieldy to sift through all the emotions unless you can have three, four, five numbers that help you quickly look at an opportunity and say, I'm in, I'm out and move on. Shake it all about. What are the numbers? Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about unit economics. It's often easier to understand your business in terms of the products that you make and sell or the service that you offer, you know, as opposed to just broad numbers, because broad numbers can get very, very unwieldy. And especially because they're not all round. So they're hard to remember and they're hard to interpret. And I think the first three numbers that are really important is that we should all attempt. It's easier in an early stage business. It's easier in a startup business than it is in an established business. But look at our business in terms of its unit economics. And its unit economics says, I sell a product. I understand what I sell it for. I have a cost to my product. And therefore, I understand the profit that I can make. Three numbers. Your top line revenue, the cost of getting that product sold and delivered, and then what's left at the bottom. And those three numbers are really well suited when you are in the product space. If you're selling a service, it gets harder. And when you sell a service, there are really two calculations that need to precede that. You need to understand what delivers your service. So you need to understand when you get a customer on board. Um, so let's say you're doing a gardening service or a plumbing service or a, an interior decoration service, really hard to identify your unit economics but you get a sense of what the average value of every client is. You hopefully are specializing in doing interior design in residential, in medium to upper income suburbs. And generally in medium to in upper income suburbs, houses are more or less the same size and more or less the commissions you get will start averaging out. So let's say it's a, a 30,000 Rand commission which runs over a month. 
Now you can turn around and say, well, the lifetime value of my customers a month, the value of delivering that service is uh, being sold at 30,000 Rand. What does it cost to deliver it? It costs time. And what's my time worth? And it costs printing and design. What is all of that worth? And you can get a job cost for that service. Now, if you can look at your business like that, it gives you a very good starting point to say, okay, so now I need five jobs a month in order to carry all my costs and break even. On the sixth job, I understand what profit I'm making. On the seventh job, I'm now getting into the money. And that can be my target. And Bruce, where that becomes so useful is if you can start to look at your business like that, you can then move on to the two next most important numbers. The one is going to be around how you market your business. So if I'm running at five and a half, six jobs a month, you can ask yourself the question, what campaign or what marketing effort do I have to invest in putting out there to get it from five to seven, then from seven to nine, and so on. And that investment, the cost of that investment and the number of new inquiries you get on the back of each of those marketing campaigns, for example, you might advertise in, you know, these pamphlets that get delivered from home to home to home. If you understand what the cost of that is, you understand how many pamphlets you need to invest in every month to win an extra job or two jobs per month, you're now in the money and you understand your unit economics. It makes decision-making easier and it puts you in control, most importantly, of surviving and beyond that thriving by both growing your revenues and growing your value. What's the saying? If you can't measure it, you got, if you can't measure it, you can't, you can't measure it. it. You're in a dream. <laughs> you can't measure it. You can't manage it. You can't measure it, you can't manage it. And the, and this is the measurement, isn't it? It is a case of saying, what is, I mean, you, you might feel like your revenue is fantastic and you're growing your revenue at 15, 20, 25, 30% a year and you are phenomenal, but you've had to hire five extra staff and uh, two vehicles and a new machine and a bigger space and suddenly, hold on a second, your unit economics over the last 12 months have changed dramatically. Completely. And, you know, you make such a good point there because if you, what drives business into your environment? It's going to be your sales front end, your sales and marketing front end. And, Bruce, very few people understand how to measure their unit economics around marketing. So, for example, in the online space, in the SaaS space, where you have created software as a service, um, it's a space that's growing exponentially abroad. In fact, it's now oversaturated in many areas. We're still in the early stages of that economic cycle in South Africa. But one of the most important unit economics in that environment is a number that's referred to as, it's a CAC number, the Customer <laughs> Acquisition Cost, yes. C-A-C. And through no fault of yours or mine, it's pronounced CAC. You need to understand that. And then when you do get a client on board, how long do they stick around for? So, for example, think: imagine you're running an online uh, digital uh, insurance business. And quite recently, I heard you speaking to 
a business owner that started and founded a business like this. They decided to leave the formal insurance environment, the traditional insurance environment, and they've moved into pure digital online insurance now. In that business, there are two numbers that count massively. The first is how long does an insured client stick with you? Generally, uh, I know in very competitive markets like the U.S., they stick around for two years and two months. That's the average lifetime of your insurance client. And then what is the cost of acquiring them? Because if you can figure those two numbers out, it tells you whether your marketing sucks or not. It makes you look at your service and say, well, how do I get them to stick with me for two years and eight months? And what does that then do to the performance of my business? So it helps you understand how to change your product, how to change your offering, how to change your marketing, how to reduce your overheads. It gives you all that guidance. Two numbers, Bruce, put you in control of the levers that make your business fly or fail. And it's so important to have a complete grip on these numbers. I mean, if you're going to use these measurement tools, are they going to be fundamentally different in businesses? I mean, you talk about a service business versus a product business. I don't know. A product business, nobody buys tires anymore, but let's pretend that tires come back in fashion one day. And there was a fabulous business when I lived in London and I used to look at all of the tires. It was called the Tire Stop. It was at all the train stations. and. And, and it was magnificent. I doubt it exists anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't think it does because tires aren't as fashionable. And um, there's a debate whether they ever will be again. But let's say you've got a tie business. It sells tires. Um, and another one that does a service. What's the, what's the thing that's got – you've got to have a shop. You've got to have equipment. You've got to have people delivering the service. Maybe a hair salon. Those could be two quite different businesses that both require people to come in through the front door. Okay, so, so they're very nice examples. They're simple examples, but the simplicity applies right across the board. So if you're looking at the tie business, let's imagine the, the cost of a tie is, you said, London, 20 pounds. So it's a 20-pound tie, and that's the average price of your ties. Some are a little more, some are a little less. But if you, at the end of the month, take your total revenues, your total sales, you look at how many ties you sold and you figure the following outcomes. The first is the average sale is 20 pounds. And on average, I sell per transaction one tie at a time. So one tie at a time for 20 pounds. If you look at what that means, now you can then look at the cost of your shop. And say, so I've got some sales assistance. I've got shelving. I've got lighting. I've got rent. I've got all those things that allow me to be in business and help me create a presence in the market. When you look at that and you look at your costs and you then realize and figure out very quickly, how many ties do you need to sell at 20 pounds a piece if the contribution of every tie sold after your cost of acquiring the tie are 10 pounds, you now know when you break even in that month, if you have to sell, let's say, £2,000 to cover all your costs, and you notice that you're selling £2,000 worth of ties 
in, sorry, 2,000 ties by the 15th of the month. Man, you have a profitable business because for so long as you can keep that sell rate running and sell another 2,000 pounds by the end of the month, those 2,000 pounds, those 2,000 ties are pure bottom line profit. Now imagine that conversation with an investor. You now want to open up a second tie shop. You've understood your location. You've understood your unit economics. You've got literally 20 seconds to make an investor interested. When you communicate your business in those unit economics and say, I make 10 pounds per tie sold at 2,000 ties, I cover all my costs. I'm halfway through the month. My marketing campaigns bring in another 2,000 ties sold for the remainder of the month. And that means I'm making 20,000 pounds of profit. I need to open up another shop because I can get it to 40,000 pounds of profit. As opposed to saying, oh, you know, you really should invest. Uh, <laughs> ties are, are growing and I've got the best designs and mine are handmade and blah, 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 blah. The story doesn't get the money into the deal. What gets the money into the deal in an investor's head are those unit economics in your tie shop. Got you. Then the hairdresser, because um, it is the very intimate industry. It's a very intimate business. Your entire look depends on the craft of your hairdresser, whether or not they're capable of you know, snipping a straight fringe or whatever the case might be. I don't know how they operate. Um, and uh, I, I wonder how the unit economics there will differ, because this is a far more hands-on experience. You need lots of people delivering lots of services concurrently for you to make money out of it. Completely. And it gets more complicated because the moment you have a strong service element, that human element that's involved in the way you flick the curl left or right, or the way you get the dye right in the hair, the way that you get the hair to fall correctly, it starts to make a big difference. And it gets particularly difficult if you've not thought through, for example, there are five hairdos that most people buy. And in that process, they take different periods of time. They take different skill levels. And can you see already, to get to an average unit economic number that would be helpful, you have to understand the delivery of your service. You have to understand what that hairdresser or hairstylist costs per hour. It's a unit of inventory. What skill level they're at because you might have some at skill level one and some at skill level two. And what does that then do to their hourly rate? And as you figure that out and you translate it back into your revenues for the month, and you then understand that in terms of how many hairdos you sell in a month, you're now in a position where you can turn around and say to your team, hey, listen, we need to upsell the hair coloring scheme because on that, the unit economics gives us a better return and it makes our break-even number earlier in the month, which means more profit later in the month. It takes us away from the wolves at the door. If you are only breaking even on day 27, 28 in the month, like a lot of retailers, especially supermarkets do, well, Bruce, having insight into that puts you in power to prevent that failure ever occurring. And it puts you in a position 
where you can work with what you have with the exact same business to generate more profit for yourself. Wonderful insights as always. Thank you, Pavlo Fatidis. Pavlo is the founder at Auric Business Accelerator.